Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan O'Neill. And today we have an absolute legend of a guest. Uh, this is Andrew Lyko. We're going to be explaining to people um, the perspective from a gra- uh, an artist in terms of like graffiti and contemporary art and how he's merged into the space of NFTs, um, Web3 in, in that, that sense. So if you're an artist out there and you're looking to get into Web3, this podcast might be for you, um, especially understanding it from his perspective. Uh, again, we are located in Phuket, Thailand. We are a medicinal mushroom company product coming out soon. We, we got some meetings coming up over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Doing things like lion's mane, reishi and uh, whatnot. And without further ado, let's get this podcast started uh, with Andrew. Okay. Hey, Andrew. Thanks a lot. That was one and done. One cut. We never do yeah. two cuts. Oh, really? No, we nice. always just go for it. Just- um, right in, man. First, thanks a lot for joining us. I mean, you're coming down from Phuket Town. It's a bit of ways. We're up yeah. at Cern Beach. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump right into it. As most people are kind of familiar with the format of this podcast, we're going to be telling your journey of what you did before Phuket, uh, what led you to Phuket, and what you're doing here. And we'll fill the gaps in between and kind of discuss um, that that bridging the gap between contemporary art into the world of NFTs from the artist's perspective, which is not the developer, which maybe in the future we'll bring on someone as well to discuss that. So let's take it back to as earlier as you as you would like to go, so we can really develop who is Andrew Lyko and how did you become the the artist that you are today. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, uh, a little bit about your background and how that all connected to the art space? Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from Los Angeles. I was born in East LA and uh, grew up in Rialto, California, which is like an hour and a half away like towards like the suburbs a little bit and um yeah i would say my journey as an artist started when i was in kindergarten actually uh my mom told me the story that at the time my teacher had entered me into this uh knott's berry art um uh, competition for like the whole class so anybody who wanted to participate and draw whatever like they could they could enter and uh Long story short, she entered my drawing, I guess, and uh, I won. So I won, like, this one-year certificate and that I got to go to Knott's Bay Farm or something like that, something similar like that. And uh, she told my mom, like, yo, just uh, encourage him to, to keep drawing or doing anything creative, like, you know, get him some markers or something, some crayons. And uh, ever since then, I, like, never stopped because i remember i always had like crayons colored pencils markers notebooks always like at my disposal all the time and so that kind of led into just without really knowing like just developing my skills as as an artist you know seeing the world a little bit different you know so that turned into obviously you grow up um i was like 12 13 years old when i first uh, picked up a spray can and at the time, my cousins were doing graffiti. And I was like, whoa, this is, like, the dopest shit ever. Like, wow. Like, the way they were twisting letters, like, you know, forming them different, that you know, in a way that they're not supposed to, I guess. And to some people, like, they can read it. Other people, they're just like, yo, what is that? You know, I thought it was so cool. Like, yeah, it was, like, cryptic, but not really, you know. So that really fascinated me. And I was just like, well... I want to do something like this. Like, what what can I do? And um, 
at the time, uh, YouTube wasn't really a thing, I believe, because I was born in 1990, by the way. I'm 32 years old. And, um, yeah, I was just uh, like, like, how can I do this? Like, where can I learn? And so just trial and error, man. It was me and my friend, and we just, uh, you know, we would just draw all the time. He got into rapping. I was like a DJ. Um, we, we were both dancers, you know. We were just, like, trying everything. And art was, like, one of the things that really um, kept us in tune and in line. And it also, like, prevented us from doing a lot of stupid shit, you know. We were, like, kids, just, like, full freedom. Like, one thing about both, both of us, and it was uh, me and my friend Chris, we always had, like, complete freedom to just be out and about. I remember, like, the only, the number one rule was just don't get arrested. Like, the expectations of my household, like, weren't that. You know, all, all I needed to do was just not get in trouble. And so be, having that freedom, just being able to be out and about at like three in the morning, four in the morning, just like out in the streets, you know, just me and my friend, like, you know, what do you do? You know, either you get yourself into trouble or you find something to do. And so we kind of took graffiti as a way to our, uh, to express ourselves and also kind of to like, at the time I didn't realize it, but we we're like protecting ourselves because our school, um, they were, like, heavy into party crews. Like, this is, like, the time where gangs weren't calling themselves gangs, but they were, like, identifying as party crews, which was, like, basically the same thing as a gang, except you threw parties, you know? And so there was, like, multiple cliques at the school. And I remember me and Chris were just like, bro, like, we don't want to be part of that, you know? Like, that's stupid. Like, yeah, we, we like to party, but... I don't want to identify as, like, you know, this or that, like, represent that. Like, no. And so we got picked on a lot because of that, because we would party with these people because we just, you know, we like girls. We like to party. But every time we did, it was like they were trying to force us to be part of that crew. And we're just like, bro, like, no, we don't want to do that. And so obviously they were like, oh, well, why not? Like, you know, you don't fuck with us, blah, blah, blah. We're just like, bro, like, it's not about that. It's just like let us do our thing and what, so what was it like and now you're in east la um this was in rialto by the way rialto yeah, so yeah. what what was it like growing up in this area at that time i mean you're you're saying you had party crews that were kind of like gang influence but mm -hmm. i'm i mean were they actual games were there pressure or was it still a little bit laid back like suburb uh, su uh suburbia no it's yeah there was definitely pressure it was just like i remember uh, they were just doing stupid things, man. And now that I look at it, it's just kids just really not having any direction or purpose. And they're just being fucking ruthless and just doing whatever they want, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it got to a point where I literally could not walk home without thinking like, yo, am I going to get jumped? Because it had happened already. Like, I, got, I remember I got jumped from my... Uh, at the time, it, it was, like, uh, when flip phones came out. Like, just a regular flip phone. I was on my phone talking to a friend, walking down the hill, and all I hear is just, like, footsteps running behind me. And then, boom, get hit in the back of the head. Turn around, I'm like, oh, shit, like, three guys, like, trying to steal my phone. You know, so stuff like that, like, literally for no reason, you can be a target, you know? I'm not familiar with this area in LA. Is it a rougher neighborhood, or? Yeah, it's, it's like, a smaller town, and it's, um, it's... Right before hitting San Bernardino, okay, and uh, which is another rough play, like area as well, and um, yeah, like 
when I was young, when we, when we moved there, when I was like five, six, and growing up to the point where I was like 12, 13, things were fine. But as you get older, like when I got into middle school, high school, that's when I noticed like, yo, this place is actually like pretty toxic. And so uh, going back to the graffiti, we realized that if we kind of associated ourselves as being like the dope graffiti kids, maybe they would stop fucking with us. And it worked. Like, we kind of doxed ourselves and we're like, yeah, like, we're the ones doing these bombs all over, which were very artistic. It wasn't just like tags. We included like caricature and like, cartoons. And uh, I remember like, when once people found out that it was us, they're like, oh, damn, like, they're dope. You know, we just kept hearing that word dope, dope, dope. And we're like, hmm, maybe we should like combine ourselves and come up with something like not a crew because we don't want to bring any other people in it but just like a, a, a signature and that's when we're like all right well how about one dope kids and we're like one dope kids like it sounds cool and i know it's also like one dope kids like like the the s at the end making it plural you just like kind of confused a little bit but we're just like bro this is dope and we can just write odk and, and whenever we would tag, it would just be one dope kids. And that's it. You know? How, how did that work? Hey, one sec. I think maybe push your mic down a bit. Like that? And out a bit. It'll just help with the audio. I think it's a bit loud. Okay. I think that's okay. Yeah, that sounds better. Let me uh, tilt it a little bit. Yeah, um, it's just so later when we, uh, he won't have to adjust it too <clears> strong. Otherwise, like, sometimes what will happen is mine goes high and yours goes low. Yeah. I think I, I now I'm like an audio engineer from the seat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Experience. Um, yeah. So <laughs> when you're doing uh, one dope kids, but one dope kids, but specifically for gr being a graffiti artist at that time in those neighborhoods, mm -hmm. um, was that a, a, like obviously it, it is illegal? Did was there a certain aspect where you kind of had to watch your back from like the police or oh, or yeah. was it like how did that kind of um, yeah. part of the lifestyle? Um, how did, how did you handle that specifically? Honestly, just, uh, by going through it, like, um, that's the one thing about me. Like if I really want to do something, I found a way to do it. But then afterwards I'm like realizing like everything else that comes with it. So the same thing with graffiti, like, yeah, we understood it was illegal, but until, until you almost get caught for the first time. You don't really feel it or realize it. Did you get caught ever? Yeah, definitely. Is, uh, the, is that <laughs> is there a part of the art that I mean? It's not just art in that sense. There's also the uh, it's very time sensitive and the thrill and the adrenaline of mm -hmm. getting caught. Caught. Does that aspect improve the art or does it decrease it because you know you're limited on time? For me, it was very exciting because it's like it's like you said the adrenaline rush and the low light and the like you need to be very very fast and how artistic can you make it in that short time span you know what i mean and it's like it's kind of like this uh fight or flight like type of situation where you either go for it or you bitch out and you're like oh no i don't want to do it and you go home so for me it was just like every time like like how much better can i get this time and that's all i worried about and I trusted Chris because uh, he was just always down. He was just like, no matter how crazy the idea, he'd be like, let's do it. You know, I'm like, all right, at least I have like a buddy that I can do these crazy things with. And uh, 
he has my back, you know, he can stay on lookout and vice versa, you know, and uh, it was just fun, man. It was like the way I look back, it was just like th these moments of adventure. And then um, I remember even down to buying these spray cans, like it was obviously legal to sell to a 13 year old. But we found this shop uh, in Colton that we, that we would uh, walk to and it was called Headstone Records. And it was so cool. It had like graffiti stuff, spray cans, nausea, like like uh, the tips, black books, uh, stickers, uh, urban type um, apparel and stuff, posters everywhere. And it was like a small shop records. And I'm uh, I, like at first we'd just go just to hang out, you know, we'd buy like a like a sketchbook and then some stickers. And then eventually the owner, like he would recognize it like, oh, like, you know, it's Chris and Andy at the time. And, uh, yeah, until finally we had the boss say, like, hey, man, like, do you mind selling this, like, a spray can or two? <laughs> and at first he said no. He's like, nah, bro, you guys are kids. And then we were like, oh, fuck, all right, well, whatever. We'd go back home, just do these, uh, you know, pieces in our book that we bought, the black book. We'd come back and like, bro, but, like, you know, check us out. You know, we're already doing it, but these fucking Krylon uh, spray cans they suck we want to use the the montana golds you know the premium spray cans for graffiti like imagine what we can do he's just like damn this is actually pretty dope like you guys you did this yeah man like that's us oh. <sighs> all right i'll sell you one or two cans and that's how i started literally that's all. and you're still about age 12 13 yeah like time? 13 going on 14 now like, like going into uh freshman year high school can you kind of uh, give us like a specific example of a time where you've prepared to go out and take something and, and uh, maybe walk us through like <clears throat> of a graffiti artist, like what is the preparation? Do you need to scout the location? Do you need to plan the art before, prepare the material? Like I'm assuming it's not just a, hey, let's go out and tag today type of thing. Like can you walk, uh, I guess that the typical person like myself that has no clue how we would even go about preparing for that and what what is even step one right to the end and and also relate that maybe to a specific example that you can recall and maybe even something where m there was that pressure of you know the authority coming yeah so um scouting is definitely key um especially if you want to throw up like a really nice piece that's thought out you have like a sketch ready and stuff um, for us, we were kids. We couldn't drive anywhere, so we just honestly skateboard or walk everywhere. So by walking everywhere, you'd see spots that you're like, oh, shit, like, look at that wall. It's, like, brand new, clean or whatever. Like, oh, like, I wonder if we can get up there somehow, you know? And so uh, one of the situations was um, this building had, like, this two-story area that it was kind of weird. It was, like there was kind of like a ledge big enough to fit people on, but it had a little bit of like a, like some height to it. So you can kind of hide, like hide yourself underneath if you duck. And I remember like, yo, we should do something there. Like this street is very open. I know there's a school up there. Like, you know, people get, uh, get picked up on that side. A lot of traffic, right? Which is another thing you want to look out for. If you want people to see it, there's ne there needs to be traffic there. So, this time in particular, I remember we uh, saw the location, went home during the day, did our sketch, you know, what we wanted to do, also based on what we had at the time, like with paints and stuff. And then, um, yeah, you just, uh, for us, 
uh, even though we had freedom, like it wasn't like I can just walk out the door type of freedom. Like we still needed to sneak out, you know, and not make like a, a ruckus and, you know, wake my mom up or whatever. So the way we would do it is like, I'd say like, okay, um, yeah, um, Chris is going to spend the night. We're just going to chill, you know, just whatever. We'd wait until like two, three in the morning, sneak out of my window with our stuff. You know, you have a backpack, you put your spray cans, you know, obviously you're wearing all black or something close to all black so you don't get seen, beanies, and uh, you have your sketch, everything, beat up sneakers. You obviously wear clothes that you, you're, you're not scared to fuck up because just in case you, you know, get caught, you need to run or whatever, so... Yeah, so this time in particular, we went, we had our stuff, everything ready, everything, everything's cool. And for some reason, it's like you kind of know when a night's going to be good and it's not. You have like this spidey sense, you know? And I remember feeling like some type of way, just like a little more nervous than usual. And I didn't realize why, but I was like, well, whatever, um, keep going. So we got to the spot. Everything's going so smooth. Like we, um, that spot actually had like this side dim light that gave us just enough light to like really, you know, see the detail and stuff in our piece. And so we're doing it, we're doing it. And um, next thing you know, uh, while Chris was on lookout, he says something like, yo, you're like duck, duck, duck. And I turn around and I just see like cop lights, you know, I'm just like, oh shit. And we're both just like, staying so still like trying not to get seen i was like bro they see this piece like halfway done obviously we're still there like they're gonna just come up find a way and get us i was like bro man this is like damn i can't believe this is happening like and this is the very first time that we felt this type of like yo this is actually illegal like we're not supposed to do this and uh yeah so we're just sitting in there like 15 minutes you know literally just like trying to peek out because you can't really see. We just saw, like, the cop lights. And we are like, they're coming, man. They're fucking coming. Like, bro, like, where can we run to? Like, scouting the place. Like, oh, maybe up there. Like, let's split it up. You go that way. I'll go this way. Like, we're very fast, you know. Like, maybe we'll get away. And, uh, yeah, um, we just waited it out. Next thing you know, like, we, we, the lights turn off. And we go out and peek. And what had happened was this cop had actually pulled over somebody right in front. And so he was there for them, not for us. That is a coincidence. Yeah, and we're just like, bro, oh, my God. Like, damn, dude, like, that was such a close one. Like, I never felt like that. He's like, yeah, me too, man. So, like, what do we do? Let's finish? Yeah, let's finish. So we finished the piece. What, what are the consequences? I mean, especially for a kid at that age, like you, are you going to juvie or like, or did you see friends get in, in serious trouble? I mean, honestly, um, I, I would guess so, to be honest. Uh, and I don't know, it, it was always just me and Chris. So I, I wouldn't know by experience through like somebody else. Um, the I only got, <clears throat> I only got caught when I was, uh, after I was 18. So I have been arrested. I have been through that whole scenario and is like a complete other story. Um, But yeah, in that process, they get you, they, they take you overnight and they interrogate you um, for like a long ass time. They make you super uncomfortable and they put you in the cell with like everybody. It doesn't matter what they did, whatever. They're just there. You know, it can be like a complete drunk guy, just like, 
out of their minds, just like you know, fucking throwing up on the side. You're you're there with them, huh? so yeah. yeah, definitely not a fun experience so, so to you, get caught. You got caught yeah. later in life. Later ta- in ta- life, ta- yeah. taking. Yeah. Uh, what happened specifically, or if you're allowed to? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, it was scary actually. Um, this was this happened in Orange County. I was living in Orange County at the time. I think I was like 22, and um, yeah, we had scouted the area. Everything was fine, but. We didn't realize that there was actually a a cop car in the park, like not in a place where there's like gravel or street. Like this cop car was literally on the grass in the park, like in the shadows. So we're just like, what the fuck? Like, how would we know that they're there? You know, like obviously you don't see cop cars on parks on the grass, like just chilling, you know, with the lights off. So, yeah, we got caught like midway spraying literally probably just starting i had like a a stencil of a rose at that time that i was doing and this guy all you hear is like people rushing from behind like yo hands in the air we're just like what turn around and this guy's literally like gunned out like like get on the floor like blah blah blah. like what the heck dude like we're just tagging we're just tagging him like you know like trying to say we're just like graffiti artists whatever the guy's just like shut the uh, you know, like get on the floor, like hands, blah blah blah. We're like, damn, dude. And yeah, they rough you up, like they get you, like you know, cuff you up and stuff. And they're they're so rude, like talking shit, like t- like the worst. And then finally, um, they get you in the car, whatever. You know, telling you you're a piece of shit, like you know, blah, blah, what are you doing, whatever. Uh, you know, we got you, like trying to just scare you, you know, but. I mean, what can they do? Like, we're just literally just tagging. Like, come on, bro. Like, not doing anything. Does it lead to anything? Like, you have to do jail time? Uh, Yeah, man. It was, this one was rough. I remember uh, they left us overnight. And then we got out the next morning. And we had a court day. And they were trying to give us, like, the the fullest sentence, which was, like, one year suspended license. uh, And then, like, a... we had to pay like a five thousand dollar fine, and then we had to do like community service for like two hundred something hours, whatever. Which is like, damn, bro, like all this just for a fucking rose stencil. And they send you back to the art to clean it up as well. No, that's one thing that we didn't have to do that, which was which ironic for all the other punishment. Sense. Like, yeah, I know, but I mean, in that situation, you just you know get, get yourself. Uh, get yourself a really good lawyer and uh because mm-hmm. we didn't have any priors like he w- he was able to just say like yo we like you know they're just kids like which we weren't at the time we we're like you know 2022 20, but we looked like kids like i mean yeah i looked a lot younger uh i've always had like a baby face so they thought i was younger but yeah it was just like we had to pay another like three grand for the lawyer and we ended up paying like a 2500 dollar fine and we we didn't get our license suspended and we had to do like these this uh three day class thing and that was that. But uh, yeah, it was rough. That was uh that was not a fun experience. That's the name of the game. I mean I, I Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I could imagine uh oh, I have my own stories, but let's not go down there. Um yeah. so um we're we're gonna connect that and bring this all towards of how you came to Phuket and specifically bringing that to the, yeah. the NFT and Web3 space. Um, can you just walk us through what what was that decision that, you know, how did Phuket even come on the map? When did you move here and what led you to coming here? Um, all right. Well, I'll end with basically graffiti kind of like helped us out, saved 
our lives. And because of that same reason, I never stopped doing it. Even though I went to college afterwards, I played soccer all my life as well. Got a full ride to go to a private liberal arts college in Arkansas. I never stopped doing art. Like, it was like my safe haven. Like, I didn't do it, like, for money at all um, until I started doing sneakers and jackets. But that comes a little bit later. Um, But basically what I'm trying to say is that art was so a part of me that no matter what the situation is, I feel like I'll always be doing it just to do it because it's like my way of staying safe and sane, you know? So going into that, um, the reason I came to Bouquet and how that happened was also very fast and like out of the blue, uh, spontaneous moment. Um, I had quit my job as a business broker um, that I was I had that job for like two years. I was making pretty good money. I was living in uh, Irvine, which is a pretty like bougie area, but it's very like family oriented. So I remember getting very, very bored with that life. I was like, yo, like I need more than this. This is not for me. Maybe when I'm older, but for now it's like I need something else. And so I quit my job, and the money I had left, I had about enough for like a year to survive on, but while also moving back to my parents. And my parents at the time, because I had already moved out, and I had this successful job, and I was living in a nice condo with my girlfriend at the time, they didn't think moving back would be an option. So they actually converted the house differently to the point where my sister had like this big ass room and there was this office room that was left because the, the back of the house, they had rented it out. And so I literally moved back into like an office space, like probably half the size of this. Oh shit. And the door was like see-through, it was an office door. So I had no privacy. I was just like, yeah, this will do, this is fine. Like, fuck it. You know, they'll let me do whatever I want anyways. Like I'll be in, in uh, LA anyways. And so, that's what led me running into uh and, and, and meeting Jory, which was which is Dave's daughter. And so she found me through IG, I believe. And I was just out and about, just going to every art show, just being at the events, just like and you know, let's talking ex- to people. Let's explain that a bit. Like who is Jory? What is she doing specifically? Okay. Cause um we'll kind of we'll we'll touch on that quick. I was connected to you through Noah. He reached out yeah. through the podcast. I I came down to Phuket Town and I, I saw the gallery and we were chatting about that. Uh, we'll get to that part. But um can you explain a little bit of the backstory behind who is Jory and, and how did she connect to you and how did that all come together? Yeah, so Jory is Dave's uh and oldest daughter and uh noah's older sister and she uh, she's still living in la actually she was working with i believe uh this company that was doing like content for um musicians and artists and djs and stuff like that and so she was constantly in that space of kind of like a creative director um you know if uh a certain music uh, artist needed like something done for the music video, like she would handle that. And so she found me because I was designing jackets at the time. And uh, she had commissioned me to do a jacket for one of her artists. And so 
that kind of like led one thing to another to doing two jackets, three jackets. And then afterwards she had saw that I was actually, you know, attempting at doing, you know, canvas work. And, um, that's when she said like, yo, you should meet my dad. And at the time I was like, well, that's a pretty like weird thing to say. Like that was just say you should meet my dad. I was like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, he's uh, flying into town, um, next week or something. I'll set something up. I was like, all right, cool. And I was just always down. Like I, I just had the time and the curiosity, you know? And so I was like, all right, let's do it. And that actually didn't end up happening. Like, I think he did come down, but he just was so busy that it just didn't end up happening. And so I had to, I had to wait. I was like, all right, whatever, like keep continue doing you, um, you know, what you're doing at the time, which at that time <laughs> I was actually, um, this is like a very creative way to get yourself out there. And I want to like convey this message for other creatives and artists that are aspiring to come up. You, like if, if you want to make something happen, you find a way, you know? And so at the time I was <laughs> attempting at, I was creating these, designing like these jackets for artists that I knew were coming into town and performing at a small enough venue that I knew I can finesse my way into the venue somehow to give them this custom one-on-one jacket that which then will lead into me having content and being able to post ma making it look like they had commissioned me to do this piece and so people think oh this guy did a piece for uh, a jacket for Jaden Smith like what or he did a jacket for Roy Woods like oh shit he must be somebody or whatever you know mm -hmm. and so that perspective just lets you use that into like your own narrative where like Literally, you can create and storytell around that, but you have the proof. You made this jacket for this person, and they actually wore it on stage and performed in it, you know? So that kind of led me into joy discovering me, and that led me into meeting Dave, which is... And who is Dave exactly uh, for, for the audience, obviously? Yeah, yeah. Don't know. So Dave is uh, honestly probably one of the biggest private art collectors dealers in the game right now like he is so just he's like that dude to know in the art space but he's also very low-key which is like kind of like an oxymoron because it's like he's so he's he's been in this space so long but he was he's able to kind of stay under the radar also you know like he's just so good at doing what he does which is finding these artists building them up you know, creating a market for them, or if you're established, just finding another way to push you even further, you know? So he's, that's like his thing. And he's been doing it with, uh, with his wife, Peggy, for like 30 plus years, just traveling the world, like finding artists, finding really dope art, and uh, just giving them opportunities in a way. Kind of marketing and branding them, telling, letting them yeah, tell like their just, story. Yeah, exactly. In, just, in a way that maybe yeah. they wouldn't even know how to tell it. Kind of well. the same way Gerchenstein was to like Picasso. Mm. The same thing, just like in modern times. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of, and correct me if I'm wrong, as the artist, you kind of get stuck in your bubble of, uh, of the creative side, but you're not quite sure how do I even tell that story? Like, you know, how, sorry, how to market it essentially. Mm. And, it, and that, that's kind of where he connected 
with you to now taking you to that next level and, and kind of, um, it's not just in, it's not, would, would it be considered investing in the artist at, at like an early stage and having faith in them that they can then l go to that next level? Yeah, I would actually even go as far as like saying kind of like a benefactor that they kind of, uh, they invest in you, but they also invest in you in a way that they're like teaching you to open up your perspective and what are you trying to say? You know, what's your message? Like, why this? Like, like when I have Peggy come into the studio, which is Dave's wife, like partner in crime, um, she comes in just like merely just for the art. Like, what am I creating? Why? Why this? Why is this line here? Why is this color like this? Like, you know, what's your overall thing that you're trying to say? Like, you know, like, oh, this doesn't feel like she's very like uh, critical and she'll she's very straight up with me. And so like having that in your team as well, kind of like pushing the side of the creative artist while Dave is pushing the side of like how to market you and, and how to build up your story and, you know, really letting you do and be in control of your own narrative, but in a way that is authentic, you know, and makes sense and it's you and it can be marketed for years and it can last, it can be like literally just last through anything because it's so real. It's just you just mm -hmm. at, like at a, a thousand X whatever like so that that like story from meeting jory to meeting dave and coming out here is is a very short time period was it that connection that that meeting can you kind of explain that conversation of was it just a kind of a single meeting what did you guys discuss yeah don't worry grab grab some coffee what happened what happened to your coffee hans Hey, you forgot Hans's coffee. <laughs> I think she left to go get a massage. Oh, nice. Oh, shit. Oh, it's all right. Well, Hans <coughs> lost out. It's all good. Next time. Next time, man. He's, he's tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. So, so that conversation you're having with Jory and Dave, like, was it just one conversation? What did they kind of pitch to you to say Phuket? Because, I mean, it's not like they say, hey, let's go to Miami. Let's go to New York. You're, I mean, yeah. you're going across the that's not even the you we say across the pond if you're going to Europe, but this is a whole other stretch. Yeah, so like I said, that 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 whole story or turn of events happened so fast because so I had missed that meeting initially and I remember I had went out the night before it was like a Friday night, I believe, and I got super wasted like I was partying, you know, I was partying every other weekend, just meeting people. Like, I like to be out and about. I love to dance and stuff. So um, I would always just find myself in funny situations. And so at this time in particular, I was supposed to spend the night with my friends in uh, Topanga. And he didn't go out and party with me because he was, uh, he was on a date with a girl. And I remember he was like, yeah, just uh, come to the house afterwards and just stay here. Like, I was like, all right, cool. So it was like 2 in the morning. I'm hitting him. I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm on the way, blah, blah, blah. Five minutes later, like, oh, I'm here. Like, you know, are you here? Like, oh, you know, do you want me to wait for you whatever? Uh, an hour an hour passes, and he just, like, finally hits me back. Like, hey, um, sorry, bro, I'm actually going to stay at this girl's house. I'm like, bro. How am I supposed to go into, into into your house or whatever? 
just like, I don't know, man. Like, like I don't know what to tell you, bro. Like, uh, I'm sorry. I was like, bro, I'm at this sleep in my car. Then like, I'm, I can't drive home. I live an hour and a half away and I'm buzzed. Like, whatever. Like, luckily, I was always prepared with like an extra, you know, set of clothes in the back and a duffel with like, you know, a toothpaste and stuff because that wasn't the first time that it happened in that particular situation. Like, I would go to LA, go to these events, whatever, and if I had to, just to save money, I'd sleep in my car and go home the next day. Uh, and so, yeah, there was like a Starbucks there. I remember going, getting a coffee and just like chilling because it, it was already like morning. And um, I get a message from from Dave on Instagram. He's like, hey, um, you know, I'm getting it. Or I just got to LA or something last night. Um, down for a coffee? I was like, yeah, I'm down for a coffee. I was like, yeah, like when? He's like, in an hour. I'll be at this place at this time. Can you get there? And I look, I'm like, damn, bro, this is, like, literally, like, an hour away or hour and ten minutes away. I was like, yeah, I could get there, you know? Like, why not? You know, I, I thought it was just so weird and, like, out of the blue. I was like, I'm bored anyways. Like, fuck it. So I went to Starbucks, brushed my teeth again, and went out to meet Dave. And so I get there, like, five or ten minutes before him, and I'm so tired, man. I'm, like, just, like, dragging myself. Like, I'm on the table like this, just, like you know, just, like, whatever, dude, like, I'm here, and he comes, right, he arrives wearing, like, the most craziest combination of clothing I've ever seen, combined with his tattoos, his rings, his, like, jewelry, and his, you know, his glasses with, like, tinted yellow, you know, lenses, and I'm looking at him, like, when I open, just, like, huh, okay, this just got more interesting, all right, so he sits down. He's like, how you doing, man? He's like, you want a coffee? You want another one? You want, like, a, a... He got me, like, this croissant thing. And, yeah, he's just like, yeah, so I heard good things about you, you know? And one thing led to another. I showed him some of my art. And I remember he, he looks at me. He's just like, I'm going to make you a superstar. And I was just like, bro, who talks like that? You know, like, okay. I was just like, hearing him out, you know, hearing like he was just on and on about himself what he does like what he was doing and like ideas going this way ideas going that way and i'm just like bro i'm like literally dying here in my mind i'm just like i'm just trying to gravitate like what is going on and finally he's just like yo um let's go down the street let's go to the store i was like okay so we go to the store he gets a hoodie he's like a 300 hoodie he's just like i want you to take this home i want you to paint it and bring it back to me I was like, all right, like, still not asking questions, just just, just saying, okay, all right, cool. Uh, I end up spending the day with him um, for a bit before I go home. I'm like, all right, I need to go home because I actually live like an hour and a half away. And so if I'm going to do this, it's going to take me like eight, ten hours, and I need to come back the next day. So I need to get some kind of rest in between. And so, yeah, I go home, do this, you know, hoodie, paint it. Uh, I asked my cousin to come with me this time. I was like, yo, I think we're going to shoot it. You know, like, I don't know I don't know what's happening, but, like, bro, let's just, you know, fuck it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? So we go, meet up at his hotel, shoot this hoodie. Um, that goes very well. We, have, you know, we get a lot of dope shots. And um, he gives me a pair of Dior shoes. 
And he's like, all right, I want you to take these home and paint them and bring back tomorrow. I'm like, bro, like what? Like I'm so dead at this point, you know, from partying, not, you know, not resting, having to paint. But again, I was just like, bro, you're already in it. Like might as well just finish this damn thing. Yeah. Take them home, paint it, come back the next day, like dead ass tired. I had smoked a little bit. I was like, bro, I cannot fucking do this right now. Like you need to drive to my cousin. Like I am dead. We get there and he's having like this meeting with a, another art dealer. And literally I get there in conversation of like something Kanye West didn't want this piece or something. I'm just like, what, what did, what did you just say? You know what I mean? I'm just like listening in the background, just like talking, you know, um, hearing him talk about these deals and stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, like this guy, like, I don't even know where I'm at right now, but obviously like something is happening here. Like they're part of something, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, we just ended up being really good friends from that experience. And he was just like, he, he loved my work and he was just like, yo, I want to work with you. Like, I'm going to help you out. Um, <clears throat> we're going to do this, this, and that. I want you to focus on painting this. You know, give me ideas like crazy. I was just like, all right, I can do this. Um, yeah, like, why not? Then, you know, after hearing that name drop, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, whatever, let's do it. Uh, he's like, all right, um, first, uh, you know, can you drop me off at the airport? I'm like, cool. So I drop him off and going home, finally, you know, sleeping and talking to my cousin. Like, damn, bro, like. You know, I wonder what's going to happen with this. And, uh, yeah, in typical Dave manner, everything's so fast-paced, you know. Um, he hits me up, like, a week later. He's like, yo, you should visit Thailand sometime. You know, like, it, my, my home is there. Um, me and Peggy stay there. There's another artist that we work with. Like, you should visit and see if you like it, you know. I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. I was, like, thinking, yeah, like, may maybe, like, you know, in two, three months or something like that, you know, thinking in my head, I need to save up for this ticket or something. He's like, yeah, yeah, something like that. We'll talk. I'm like, all right, cool. The next day, he's like, hey, if we get you a ticket, are you done? Are you down to come next week? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, come next week. Like, we'll get you a ticket. Uh, come visit. And, uh, like, you don't have nothing to do, right? Like, you don't have a job. I'm like, nah, like, I'm good. I was like, I mean, if you're paying for the ticket, like, yeah, I'm down. Like, what? why not? So he buys my ticket and gets my flight. Um, I have enough stuff for like a week maybe because um, I had no idea how long I was going to stay there. I get to Thailand, get to Phuket, um, and I end up staying for like almost a month. And this whole time, I'm literally just painting like a madman. Like he has these canvases like super huge. He's like paint the wall, paint these sneakers, paint this hoodie i'm literally just painting every day like my schedule was wake up in the morning go on a bike ride with peggy or run or something did you guys have like a business relationship at this point or it's no. still like hey i'm just gonna say yes to everything and see what happens yes it's still that yeah no nothing said um i don't even know if i'm gonna get paid for any of this i'm just like his energy is just like go 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 like you either accept it or that's it which which is fair because he's got to get your name out there too and then once your name's out there you create demand and when the demand arrives yeah and, you, and there's there's something behind that i i get i get that that yeah from the business side it, it makes sense because he 
you're, 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 it's kind of a win-win working relationship. If it works, you both win. And if it doesn't, well, kind of no harm, no foul. Yeah. I mean, if there's no demand for, for that, that market as well. So you've been out here two years doing this type of work while you're here. And how is that going? What, what has come from that? What do you see happening maybe in the near future? Oh, man. So that just kind of like changed my life completely because after that one visit, um, you know, I had made all this art and that's when he finally, finally said like, yeah, like I really want to work with you. Like this is now it's getting, it's turning into like a, a business type of thing. Right. Uh, you know, he sells some of my pieces. I make a pretty good, good amount of money, like more than I've ever made before. Some art, I go back home, uh, I visit my parents for a bit before finally making the decision to move to Thailand for like at least a year in 2020. And so this was already planned before COVID happened. And so I was already in Thailand mid-January uh, planning to live here for at least a year before COVID happened, right? And so after COVID happened, I was just like, bro, I'm already here. Like, I'm already planning to stay here. Like, might as well enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, this is a, a place that I feel like I grew immensely, Um because of just be, being in a in a place that I'm kind of isolated from my normal type of lifestyle. And so I'm kind of forced to just create my environment, create my world in my studio with what I'm doing, you know, and just kind of letting that guide me and keep me motivated uh, um, while still just kind of being stuck in this whole time with COVID, not being able to travel uh, I'm not being able to, you know, go be with my friends, see my family as often as I want, you know. So instead of looking at the situation like, yo, I'm trapped, I was just like, okay, this is like my Batman phase, like where Bruce Wayne leaves Gotham City and he's just like training, 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 like developing, like, you know, doing all this stuff. And I'm going to come back to LA, Rialto, like this, you know, complete other person just hella developed which is what I've been doing this whole time. Is that your plan eventually to go back? Do you see, yeah. or do you see yourself is, is Phuket um, kind of just a base for now or, or what's your plan? And essentially, no, I definitely plan on having Phuket as kind of like a second base. Um, one, because I already have the lease for it and my visa is in tuned uh, to be like another two or three years there that I'm able to stay here. Um, <clears throat> Cause I have a, a Thai elite. Yep. And so, yeah, I definitely plan to keep that studio because it took me two years to develop it and make it what it is now. So to just let it go, it would be kind of like a shame. So I plan to have, you know, maybe half the year in L.A. and then, you know, another, another four months in Phuket and the other few months kind of like traveling around. And so that's kind of like my plan that I'm leaning towards now. But I, I definitely feel like Phuket pushed me because... I just, I had to, man. There was no other choice. Either you adapt and you make something out of it, which led to the NFT project that we're doing now, um, or you just kind of, like, sit back and, and, and let life just continue. Like, you know, you get left behind or you make something and you apply pressure as well. Like, so to me, it, it was going into that zone of really, like, oh, bro, who are you? And what are you going to do about this? You know, like, are you just going to, you know, continue to paint? Yes. But like, 
feel stuck or you can turn this into like your hyperbolic time chamber that you just like create something crazy and you, you can go back home like and just really just like destroy that whole world because I, I, I feel so like fucking powerful now that and confident that anywhere I can go like I feel like my energy and presence like I'm comfortable talking to anybody in any situation and just being me and not having to like fold and act a, a, another way like I can be me thin and thin through anything and I think that's like my superpower you know yeah I mean Phuket at least it gives you that that freedom I mean uh, coming from the western world I mean it, there's always those added pressures not, I mean not just from your living conditions but from the news and all these different uh, you know schools of thought that come at you from many different angles but I find Phuket kind of is that uh, maybe Superman solitude a fortress type of thing as well yeah. um, outside the Batman <laughs> 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 analogy um, could you explain for uh, any artist that is maybe getting into this line of business, what is the working relationship? Now, would you consider Dave is the broker? Is he the marketing agent? How does that relationship work? How, how do you guys like synergize together? So if let again, the question is more for people that are getting into this space and they don't understand the dynamics behind that. Yeah, I would say it's very, I mean, every situation is kind of different. You know, I can imagine there's millions of ways that brokers or art dealers uh, work with artists. But in this particular uh, relationship, it's like we're kind of both everything. And so I wouldn't consider him just a broker or just my art dealer, but he's like a friend, you know, at times he's like a father figure. At other times he's like, a mentor or a, a creative himself throwing ideas he's an artist he's a designer you know so we, we kind of we kind of have this relationship that neither neither one of us is is bound by just one title we're kind of like it's it's very in the moment like More like a partnership yeah it's like a partnership but like growing and also like a, a tight friendship but we also know that we're we're doing our own thing. But you know, other times it'd be like, "Yo, you want to you know have a cigar?" Like, "Yeah, cool. I smoked multiple cigars with the man." Um, yeah. Other times we'd be like, "Yo, you want to do a fifty-kilometer walk in like a month?" I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we'll train for that just for no reason. Yeah. So it's not just strictly business, nah, which I'm sure a lot of people in the art world they they'll have a manager and it's the relationship is more about the numbers and what's going on than, yeah. than kind of that personal attachment. Um, okay. That, that makes sense as well, which is, I think that's good for any type of working relationship. So you don't look at each other just strictly, you know, uh, what am I getting it out? What are you getting out of me? What am I getting out of you? And it's more of a synergy on that. Precisely. It's, it's more of like, how can we grow together and how can we impact uh, together to have a stronger effect Oh, with the message that we're trying to convey and give out and put out to the world. And, okay, so let's move uh, just a step forward on that with your relationship with Noah and also your own personal <laughs> NFT project. Could yeah. you tell us the story of how did that come about initially and just kind of walk us through that from maybe even just step one? Yeah, so Noah I met here in Phuket because... Um, he moved back because of COVID. He was in Spain at the time, and we were uh, his parents were worried that you know COVID can be 
the monstrous thing that it is now and probably potentially worse. And so he got all his family, moved them back to Phuket. And there was this time period that we all lived together for like six to seven months or something like that. So it was like probably, it was a full house, like 12, 13 of us total in that house. So we all just became like family. You know, we had dinners together. We'd hang out together. We'd work out together. So we really got to know each other at that time. And we realized that Noah and I are very alike um, in the sense with that, you know, our backgrounds with uh, sports, you know, the discipline with that, um, our perspectives on life, the the kindness that we both try to, you know, put out in the world. Um, and uh, we realized that we got along very, very well. So, uh, um that kind of developed to be a own, uh, its own thing um, through friendship. Um, and now, yeah, we all kind of work together, but it still doesn't feel that way. Like whenever we're talking, we're talking more about like ideas and, and how we can push the line. Uh, and yes, it is important to talk about, you know, numbers in a sense that whatever you're doing, you want to be able to live off of, you know, but that's not like, the the main point of everything um but yeah so yeah like just being around this whole family um you kind of just start to find yourself and how you fit in and how, how the system works you know and um and when when you guys are coming together this is pretty much from the beginning like as we jump into the current situation um so what, early 2020 yeah, yeah yeah i'd say early 2020 and up until now we've both have been here ever since um and, and did he approach you with the nft project or the concept because i'm assuming like most people in this space you kind of heard the word nft but until you go down the rabbit hole it's pretty much you know, like you have no idea what this is even yeah. this this space even actually is yeah i mean we both realized that you know, there's stuff happening in the space and his sister, Jory, is actually working in that digital space as well with uh, a different company now that, you know, their main thing, I feel like it's like curating and finding these artists, basically the same thing that Dave is doing in real life and, you know, with artists she's doing with artists in the Web3 space. And so it was kind of cool seeing that develop and see seeing how successful she's been doing it with like the artists that she works with. And um, yeah, also from getting a ton of feedback on, on people through social media, like, yo, you should do an NFT project. Like, oh, when Lyco NFTs and blah, blah, blah. So it was seeing that, that message over and over. You start to like, all right, like for me, it was like, what do I'll, I'll dive into it just to, to learn, you know, to see what it's about. Um, but because I had heard a lot and I've saw a lot of, you know, bad things happening to other artists uh, and their reputation gets slaughtered, you know, it's like now knowing what I know now in the space, I can see why these artists got annihilated because they were diving in with an artist's perspective, but they didn't have the, the full team to help them out and kind of guide them and facilitate the community and, and make it be more than just another art project that pulls in cash the first time. But then afterwards, what happens? Like what happens to your community? They're just left there or, you know, they're, they feel rugged, you know, but 
So that was kind of interesting uh, for for me and Noah to kind of learn at the same time. Yeah, because you about as, as the artist you come in, but you don't realize that. I mean, you're just the face of the project, but the back end is where a rug pull can essentially happen. Mm -hmm. Because you're, if you're not involved in that analytical side with the crypto and the development of the Web3, um, you can burn your entire reputation. Oh, yeah. So when you heard about NFTs, I'm going to assume this is now this has got to be mid-2021-ish uh, as we're moving up through that. What yeah, I'd say even like late 2021. Late 2021. Yeah. What, well, you're, I'm assuming maybe yourself and Noah are having this discussion. Okay, let's get into this. What steps did you take? Did you reach out to Web3 companies? Who did you collaborate with? And and I think the importance of this question is any other artists out there, like they would most likely, they don't even know the first step. They want to get in, but could you walk people through that process and bring us up to date of where you are today? Yeah, so that process itself is, I would say, for people to be hella patient for the right or the most genuinely felt moment that you you pick and choose and you're like yeah this is it this is my end with this space uh because i didn't although we were having these ideas like yo we can do this and we we're learning like oh actually we can do this this will be a hit i was still not comfortable enough to be like yeah let's do a project because i just i, I felt i wasn't ready um i didn't have enough knowledge to, to see why certain projects were doing well and others weren't. Like, to me, I, I just saw some big-time blue-chip artists completely have, like, this five seconds of success, and then afterwards, just the project just take a shit, and their reputation dumped. is just bombed, you yeah, know? Yeah, because those artists, they don't know that the guys in Web3 are actually purchasing 20% of the collection, pumping and dumping. Yeah, they, they just, have no clue they what's just, going they're on. They're just doing the art on the front end. They don't, yeah. And so, when I, luckily enough, I was paying attention that I saw that, and I was like, mm -mm, nope, I'm not doing that. Heck no. I'd rather wait. I'll wait as long as I need to, to, to finally feel comfortable enough to be like, yeah, I'm in control of this, and I can at least steer whatever you know, situation. And so that came the moment that my friend actually dropped his project. And I had known this person in person, like, you know, we're really good friends. The name's Sky um, for, for years now, you know, party with the guy and stuff. And just through seeing what he was able to develop on his own these past couple of years from owning businesses, like opening up restaurants, you know, open, like having like this Airbnb arbitrage business, so successful i knew that this guy had the experience as a business owner the creativity as an artist and also like the the work ethic just sub like just insane because i i've seen it i followed his journey throughout the years saw all the hours that he put you know the content that he was putting out on a daily with uh, his his diner at the time and i was like i at least know that i can trust this man and whatever he's doing, it's for a purpose, you know, not just because of the money, because I know he doesn't need it. He's doing it for a whole other reason. And so that led me to buying super early into his project, which was these cozy corners, which also, you know, um, gravitated me because they were very cool and built. It was like uh, um, these 3D 
uh, images of two corners or two walls creating like this 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 uh this room. This oh, like a, kind of a like a sim studio looking. Yes, thing. exactly. Yeah, I saw those pictures. Yeah. and so he was designing them how how he felt they were a cozy corner space, like mm. which I highly highly believe in because being out here in Phuket and kind of being stuck. I had to create my world within my own space. In my, you've been to my studio. Yeah. You've seen, like, all these little things matter. They influence you on a daily. So I was like, bro, that's so fucking cool. Like, I want one just because I want one. And so I bought one. They were like $300 a piece. And he was just dropping them, like, one by one, like, here and there. Um, and it picked up traction, man. Like, after four or five, I, I was pretty deep in. I was posting them, like sharing them, and I felt like other collectors too that that, that were uh, buying at the time were sharing it as well. And it just ended up being like this massive thing. Was man. it? Is it on Open Seas now? The collection? It, it's a uh, everything that we talk about. By the way, is going to be on Solana. Solana. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was on on Solsi. He was minting them out one by one. But I, I think now Solana's uh, you you can they're on Open Seas. Yeah, now. they're on Open Seas as no. well. <clears throat> and um, what was his like uh besides the the art behind it what was there any utility coming into it no man like that's the thing like people were just buying it because you either knew sky or you just really loved the art mm -hmm. but yes uh little did i know that I was going to turn into like this whole other massive project uh but yeah uh so that was like my entry point into nfts yeah, that 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 was the first MFT that I ever bought. That project's still alive. Or, yeah, it's or, it's or still it, very much alive. Had problems at the no, end? No, not at all. Like now, there. I think the the one that sold for like the most when Salon was like a hundred and twenty dollars at the time was like maybe like close to ten k for one. Oh wow! Yeah, so the value on those just shot um, because of the 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 following project that he did afterwards with Curse Labs. And that, that was kind of tied in with his whole Airbnb arbitrage and stuff. And so that that project ended up selling out. It was like a 5,000 collection project. Um, but he scaled it. He he did the 50, the 50 Cozy Corners first. Then he did like this uh, 500 Curse Tokens, which, was, which is now the DAO for Curse Labs. And then Curse Labs was the 5,000 collection. And so I saw him kind of like develop that with time. I was like, damn, bro, this is so fucking cool. And everybody who was in that project, they're like super, super high believer of Sky, you know, because of how uh, authentic he is with it. If he does something like a mistake, he'll, he'll say it. He'll put it out there. But like, yo, we're pivoting to this now. Like, you know, you know, shit happens. Like, I'm human. Like, blah, blah, blah. You're either down for it or you're not. And People were just believing that man, like I believe in it, like so much, and and seeing that happen, I was like, okay, now I, <clears throat> now I see, the value in NFTs. Like from my perspective, I can bring my world, you know, teach people what I know, and maybe help other creatives, you know, not have to go through the same shit I did in order to get to where I'm at, and at the same time make it. A, a place that people feel comfortable and it's like a community and you know you're meeting other dope creators that i know that you normally probably you wouldn't meet you know what i mean and so i think that's where we're we're uh bridging the gap where i'm bringing in a lot of collectors that i know that took me years to develop those relationships as well as creatives and i'm bringing them into one dope kids because it's just 
that that world that I'm creating and making it accessible to other people who are aspiring to, to either do the same thing or be a collector of artists who are actually have like a message and a narrative and, and it's much more than just the art it's like their lifeline you know so yeah and it's 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 interesting because you're adding the like monetary incentive as an investment mm-hmm. so like if for example so if you're invested in his project but then he introduced you to another artist you might in, and invest and you might actually be you know purchasing that piece but now you're involved in that community and yeah, every and community has an identity and through those identities you can start to you know uh, be more involved in, in the the art space and I, I think that's the interesting part of nfts um for someone like from the from the analytical side we're not too uh, you know invested like personally in, into art but now that you know uh, taking the analytics and the business and trying to make money uh, you start to look at the artist and appreciate the art, and it's kind of a backdoor for, for that as well. W- could you talk a little bit about One Dope Kids and your NFT project, and uh, what steps did you take to launch it? Because I, I am aware you, you did your first project. Mm-hmm. Um, how many pieces did you release, and what's the next project that you plan to release? Okay, yeah, so with this, um, it took me like a month, month and a half to you know, develop my experience and I'm going through it, uh, you know, investing in Curse Lab, seeing how all that whole project unfolded and just meeting all of these like really smart, creative people through that network, you know? And, and so I was like, yo, like this is a place that with Discord and all this stuff, the attention is here. People are gravitated towards art, but, you know, having dope utility is really cool too. And it just expedites the the growing of a network. And so I was like, yo, if, if we can do, if I can do what Dave is doing out in the real world, but do it in the Web3 space, it expedites things so much because now I have a full arsenal, like a whole network of people that really believe in me and my vision. And they're like, yo, like that's really fucking cool. I stand by that. I, I want to be part of ODK and that's it. Like they're they're, they're part of it. And so that first collection was uh, 55 pieces where it ties to my origin story as a graffiti artist where it started in the alley with a spray can. It's the same. That's the NFT. It's an alleyway with a dumpster, ODK graffitied, and a lot of, like, cool little hidden things, you know. Uh, um, How many many piece collection is that one? This was 55. 55. Yeah. And is everyone unique? Yes. Or, or so and you're kind of just changing the, the colors on different attributes. No, they're all unique. Okay. And I did them by, I believe there's seven different stylized uh, graffitis. Uh, so different styles of graffiti for ODK. The dumpsters are different colorways. Um, the walls are gold. That's the only thing that stays constant about the whole thing. And like the, the little messages and li- little things along the sides change as well. Is there's like ra- a gas mask. as well? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't make it uh, in a way that there, there's a rarity to them. But okay. you know, in this space, they're like with Metahelix or or or, or Matrify. Like, uh, there's there's ways that they try to make it like a, like a rarity thing where oh, this one's rare just based on the attributes or whatever the traits. But I didn't make it intended to to have rarity. Um, but I made it in a way that only. You can only buy one of these. And the way you can buy one of these, it's either I I know you personally, 
uh, or built up this relationship throughout the years. Or um, one of the people that I know very well said, hey, like this person, like I told him about the project, like they're, they're hardcore believers, like they want to be part of it, like they're diehard, you know, diamond hands, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, let, let me talk to them. Let me have a one-on-one. Like, so we, I literally did that process throughout the whole thing. And so every person that holds uh, King's NFT, which is the first collection, I, I, I've had a conversation with them, you know, and yeah, you didn't want like people coming in to, you know, dump the floor price in, in that sense. And you kind of piss off the whole community. So like, as yeah. they would approach you for the purchase again, you're not, you can't, you, I'm assuming you can probably buy it off, um, open secondary now. Yeah. Okay. But initially, like if they came to you on that, um, before it was all the pieces were sold completely minted out. Um, you would kind of airdrop it to them and they would send you the Solana type of thing. No, no. So we actually, we did it proper. We had like an actual team. We built out the mint site. It was a full-on experience. Uh, every, everybody who, who uh, we collected the wallet addresses, okay. airdropped the token, and with that token, they were able to mint their NFT. Okay, so it's same, same. Yeah. It, but they couldn't, no one could just, you know, jump onto the site and No, mint. no, yeah. they okay. couldn't. Got no. it. Um, and, yeah. and that project, it's more, will these people get utility in terms of like whitelist and, and being giving access to all future projects you do? It's, is it kind of like, like call it a gold pass membership to you? Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. So that's the fun thing about this space because, because I was in Curse Labs, they were able to provide me a full team before, you know, minting out any funds just solely based on the relationship that I built with them. And they were just so down for the project that, like, yo, like, I have a partner now. We have, we have like, a full-on uh, six or seven artists in-house just, you know, creating content, all this stuff. We have, like, a couple gigabrains in the project just doing that stuff that I'm just like, bro, what? Like, I'm so happy you're on my side. Like, like on the Web3 yes, development yes, back end. That. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's very complex. So they they take the time to do that, and then we have regular meets every week talking about every little thing, but they really let me focus on the art side of things and the community and how does ODK feel when you're entering? How what What does it mean to be ODK? You know, like... I'm pulling from my personal experiences from being a one dope kid in real life. And I'm just putting that into a web three world Mm -hmm. and they're helping me by making sure all the backend stuff, all the little details are handled and and there's nothing that can disrupt that flow. Yeah. I mean, they're writing the smart contracts. I mean, are they involved? Like, are they managing the discord, the community as well? 100%. Okay. Um, you, you, I think we were talking about before you, now you're planning to release uh, another project. Will it be like a PFP 5k or 10k? Uh, can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? So I'm taking kind of the same approach that Sky took with his projects where it, it's kind of like by phases and you're growing the community and it's not just like, oh, 10k PFP, like boom, there, mm. you know, go and buy it. Like, no, we're the same thing that we did with these 55 people, which actually, uh, um, we have 53 unique holders of the first NFT project that it launched. And I think as of right now, um, there's only two listed out of those. And the floor price is like 100 so and like 500 so yeah. last time I checked. Uh, so it, it just goes to show that these people, like they really want to see 
and wait to see what we actually yeah they're not just trying yeah, they're not they're just like, trying to flip on their no, investment. not at all like, they want to see you know yeah. they want a piece of all your your yeah, future new, new people come into like 53 holders like like two listed like oh shit okay like this, this this is saying something this is a message and so now we're doing the 945 which is gonna be kind of like its own project on its own this this phase um I want to say it's kind of like in my real life story, the transition from where I went from like just kind of being in the streets, designing jackets, like bouncing from place to place, sleeping in my car to meeting Dave and taking that step to, to Phuket and starting that journey. So that phase is kind of like that timeline. And so the art is going to be based towards that time frame. Yeah. Uh, what what will the art look like? Do you have concept or is it kind of already yeah. it's so coming this, together now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be like, uh, I call them critters. Okay. This is like my my version of these cartoonish monsters. Oh, like I saw in your studio. Yes. So it's kind of like, um, oh, what's the, I, I guess it's not the, it's definitely not the right word. It's like cartoon derivatives, essentially. It's like you're, yeah. you're taking, let's say, a Mickey Mouse and blending it with a Donald Duck type of yes but i'm pushing even further than that just just because from uh i don't want to get like copyrighted issues and yeah, stuff yeah. like that so i'm really just these are completely original but they're gonna feel similar to that yes yeah. they're gonna feel like you've seen it before but then second glance you can be like okay this is completely new but like i can f feel the nostalgia in it you know what mm. i mean so the way we're doing it is we're actually basing them on um disrupted personalities that a creative runs into from you know going through his journey so things like being envious you know things like depression things like uh angry uh jealousy stuff like that that can hold the creative back uh which a lot of times it does we're emphasizing it on that and so we're, we're including it into the narrative that okay we can create these monsters uh by having these critters and taking them into the next collection, you can actually flip the personality and make it a positive outcome. And so, you know what I mean? So if you're, you, you have fear, you know, you, you flip it to have confidence, you know, and that it, it leads into you know, putting that personality onto the PFP project, which is the 10K collection. Okay. And so all these things will actually have utility as well uh, as you go along, but that's kind of how it fits in. Into, into, so you'll do into a nine nine forty five yeah. and then a ten k. Yeah. So the nine forty five is next. Now, are they all gonna also be unique, or is it like attributes, and then you'll put them through like an AI simulator to like layer them on top of each other? Yeah. So everything's gonna be hand drawn. Um, they're gonna be nine unique personalities, and then those personalities are gonna have sub personalities. So you can be scared, but also anxious. You know, what I mean, you can be sad, but also confused. You know, so we're going to really, like, detail it to that and, and try to portray that based on color, based on expression, based on posture or whatever. You know what I mean? So they're very unique, but they are going to be generated from the traits that we develop. And then those 945, essentially they're PFPs as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. they're going to stand alone as and PFPs. I I understand your original fifty. It's 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 basically like um, again, it's like a gold member. It's a membership card that yeah. gives whitelist and access, you know, 
type of first dibs and and obviously utility across everything. Yeah. The nine forty five. Um, have you planned out the utility? Have you guys discussed that? What What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah. So with the utility for that is is um we're developing right now because <clears throat> although I, I want to give it like so many things away it's like oh include this like i understand that there needs to be kind of like a, a a middle ground you know i can't just give everything away but it's going to come with a, a lot of re like really cool stuff like odk now we realized that as we were developing it as one dope kids uh we kind of needed to branch and separate odk as a brand and one dope kids as a project and so that's what we did right now we separated that odk as a brand is like it literally can be anything like we have so many ideas for that and one dope kids is now like solely just the project that's coming out of odk Kind of like, uh, like uh, what is an uh, artifact in Takashi Murakawa? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He, he kind of had his Clone X was the project out of Takashi as the artist, and then, then they did uh, the, <clears throat> the flower seeds or, or another PFP type of project as well. Yes. Um, we were talking about that at your studio as as well, like maybe some of the utility as you get the PFP and and not just the digital drop, but you'll get the physical drop. Is that something you'll, you're <coughs> planning to pursue? Because, I mean, to, to create 940 pieces physical, that's, that's a, yeah, insane. That. No, if we were to take that approach, it would probably be like a, like a print or something. Yeah. And then maybe it can be embellished. Like I can do something over the print or real sign quickly. It or, or sign it, yeah. But, yeah, we definitely, I mean, um, I don't want to say too much, but I would say that every level of or each phase is getting some sort of access to me and my network and everything that I've built thus far um, in in many ways. So not not just financially, not just from physical things, but like, you know, just the network itself, you know. So we're doing it very, very uniquely that it's like exciting to, to see the possibilities that, that can come out of ODK now, especially because we separated the branding and I've have connections with like a lot of really just creative people. Like I'm really good friends with like uh, the stylist, my friend Serino. He just did um, the styling for Phase Clan, and that was just featured in GQ. Like literally just now, he's in Paris right now, and so shout out to Torino for just being like the dopest stylist in LA, um, and he's a really really good friend of mine. Um, so Dave's hardcore into fashion. You know, he's always traveling, meeting dope people. So it's like having these things, like these doors open for possibilities. You never know what ODK can be. It, it can branch out to be a whole clothing line. And so if if that does well, we can make uh you know the utility for the 945 and the Kings to 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 have like maybe some type of free drop or whatever, like a free piece of item or whatever it may be. Like they'll have access to this stuff a lot sooner and a lot easier than the rest of the world. You know, yeah, I mean? and, and that's a lot of people don't understand <clears throat> projects of NFTs that actually what they are. Um, um, they're projects like within the Web3 world that become a brand of their own. So like we're doing in-betweeners, but the reality is 
behind that can become the brand they can sell clothing they can sell you know uh it can be art or whatever yeah. that is but behind them they are the brand they could do a movie they could do cartoons exactly there's a lot you're starting off in the that community of web3 to create you know the community behind you that follows you and from there there's you know commissions as you're flipping on the secondary and whatnot um a lot of artists will have Easter eggs hidden within their art as their self. Is the 945 an Easter egg as, as well? Is that an area code or something? No, no, no. So 945. Because um, um, sometimes numbers, <clears throat> like, it will mean something. Why I did mean, we I, choose? I'm pretty sure you've, you've uh, with uh, having, like, dials and stuff, there's, okay. like, certain amount. So we initially made it so the, the 55 from the first collection plus the 945, it creates the 1K. Got it. But we're not really looking at it as like a DAO. We're trying to like rephrase these these words, and we're probably thinking of like one dope circle or something that just signifies that this is like kind of like the governance of the project moving forward. And they have, you know, their opinions are very heavily weighted, and we actually you know take it to consideration and stuff. And people have ideas, but mainly what excites me most about you know this whole project man it's just it's like i said and i repeat myself is being able to bring my world kind of my way make it feel how i want it to feel and it's allowing these people or these kids come in even just now I, i'm i'm really i'm literally watching it happen in discord on a daily like they're coming in and they're like not scared to express themselves like we do stuff like question of the day you know i do stuff like you know, literally it, what I have on my phone that inspires me on a daily, it, I use this app for like daily affirmations, you know, and I'll just copy and I'll put it in there. Stuff like, oh, if I'm at the gym, I'll post it in there. We have a section like, you know, fitness log and yeah. people are kind of following my habitual lifestyle and they're kind of like mimicking and trying things out. And I realized that it's really influence, uh, influencing these people, even with their screens. I have people, like, when I post, I, yo, what is that? Can you send me that? So, yeah, I'll drop the link. Like, here you go. Like, influence yourself. You're in a space pod now. And so that's growing into, like, a community, like, an honest, like, true, honest community. And they're starting to have really cool ideas moving forward for the project. Yeah, and that that's important in the NFT space. The community gets involved. Like, yes, I mean, they're, they're, I, not all their ideas are going to go forward, but no. they, you, <clears throat> at the end of the day, we're limited. If we're, even if we're a team of three people working in here, um, we're still limited on ideas. When, the, when you allow the community to get involved, maybe it's only that 1%, but that could spark something in the project that takes it to the next level. And I've kind of noticed being involved in the NFT space quite heavy since November uh, 2021. It's also, it's interesting to see that people need to forget about the roadmaps on new projects yeah. because the reality is like the project's so new that you still are finding your identity as you're growing and you need time to create that roadmap and paper hands and new people to the industry. They don't understand. They say, well, what's your three year roadmap? Yeah. Well, ask any company that just started it. Go ask Apple, Amazon. They don't have a three year roadmap. Yeah. They have maybe one thing we need to do when we yeah. get that done. <clears throat> Honestly. we don't know what the next thing is let's get this done first um what are your thoughts uh this is what i i and again it's nfts in this space 
what is it? Still, I don't think we we know yet. And to be honest, the word NFT might not be what this is called in a few years. Like we yeah. used to call uh, Web 2.0, Web 2.0. But actually, it's just social media. Yeah. That, that's what we've named it now. But I feel like the whole NFT space is the stock market for culture. And it's a way for people like yourself that are artists, or it could be even Fruiting Body Podcast, and we could start an NFT project. It's a loophole in which we don't need to go IPO publicly traded for you to be invested in us, not just like personally, but like financially. Because how can your project, One Dope Kids, you can't be publicly traded in the S&P, but I want to invest in you. Yeah. Well, do I just send you money? No, there's no ledger. There's no book. That's the interesting part about crypto and Web3. I like your shit. I want to be invested in you. I want to put money into what you're doing. But in Web2, that doesn't work. What am I just going to be? Are you a charity? Do I just give you money? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. So actually, that whole Web3 world, it allows people, especially your early followers, to be like, I'm invested in you. I want to invest in you. How can I do that? Web3, NFTs, that's the fucking answer. Yeah, 100%. So that's, that's just my... No, that's, I completely agree on that end, like for sure. That's exactly what it is. And, and those people, they, it's, I, my brain always goes back to the business side and the analytical side, but it's also, um, here's a good example. You get a lot of golfers in Australia in particular, and you'll get big investors that invest in the golfer when they're like 12 years old. And they're investing them as a, in a, as a business, meaning they'll say, whatever you, I'm investing in you now, I will cover everything, your hotels, up until, you know, I, you make the PGA tour. And, but for the rest of your life, I want 15% of what you make. The reality is that if that kid doesn't get that investment at 12, he can't afford to go to the, he can't get the hotels, he can't go to the, show, he can't go to the tournaments. How do you pay for the food? How do you take the pressure off that now financially he's secure? Because if he doesn't have any of that, he doesn't become that golf pro mentally. And I, I kind of foresee that, that that's my concept of NFTs in that space. As the artist investing in them, now they become financially secure. They can focus on the art and nothing else can distract them. And then your teams can take care of the Web3 and, you know, the development side and all that. But you get to focus on the art and you just hire the right team to manage it behind the scenes. That's kind of uh, how I was comparing it when I, I was thinking about this the other day of yeah. what it would compare to in the real world. Yeah, that's a great uh, comparison, actually. It's exactly what it is. That's what it feels like, you know, even with <clears throat> just uh, the artists that we have that I'm managing now in that sense. I, f I feel like I'm the Dave, you know, to them, you know, because I've, uh, like, these uh, people are now working full-time, getting paid a monthly salary, and they're creating art on their own time. They have, the, you know, weekends off, and they're able to just, you know, uh, make a living uh, by doing art, which before, I, I don't know if they were doing okay or not like you know it's just when i found them it's uh i saw something in them and it took some time but you know if i were to show some of the art that they did you know when i first uh got into contact with them and what it what they're producing now you'd be like bro that's not even the same person 
because it took so much development of like you know the same thing well maybe you should try this like mm -mm, okay i'm seeing that uh character characters is not your strong suit but you're really good at doing landscape scenery type stuff so you know let's focus on that and i'll have this person focused mainly on building out the pfp i'll have this person like oh they have really cool stylized uh font and and the way they use it to 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 create a message okay you're on marketing now marketing content so kind of, kind of doing that and delegating and building that team that way like now it's kind of running itself and it's the same thing with the community same thing with like the devs and you know the the, the team behind all the logistics like we're, we're building this system that's kind of automating itself because at the end of the day nobody wants to be on their phone 24 7 like just to make sure their project is going the way it should like fuck no yeah. like i need my time to paint I need my time to spend with my fiance. I need time to go out. I need time to do nothing. Yeah, you, know you, I mean? you can't, when you run a project in Web3, you can't do it all. A lot of people don't understand. You got the artist, you got social media management, you got community management. You should have a project manager. Then you have a whole team of devs. Then you can have like the guy steering the ship. As the artist, you cannot do all of that. And a lot of, I think people in the, uh, that are watching the NFT space, it's very different than just the crypto space. The crypto space, I can create a shit coin or a show coin or a meme coin. Well, I don't need the whole artist side and I don't really need the social side. I just need a bunch of devs and someone to promote it. So it's, it's very interesting. You're, you're, you're humanizing these crypto projects. And again, you're creating the stock, the stock market for culture, for people to invest in people that they, they see the future. And that's, important because maybe these people that get in early they're getting in early because they see something and when they watch maybe their investment come to fruition um it might even be hard for them to let go and sell that as well exactly because you don't want to it's like for it's like yeah. buying spider spider-man comic book number one yes. and you've picked the 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 winner and gary v uh, spoke about that quite wisely he said you have to understand like when you're coming into that that artistic space or something to hit not everything hits like for every time a teenage mutant ninja turtles you know hit there's about a thousand that did not so and it's going to be about the community and people that getting behind that as as well yeah i agree like the the way we're doing it they're really buying into me as a person the same way that i bought into sky yeah you know the that's the reason that I'm I'm so out there with everything. Like I'm even doing weekly vlogs of what I'm doing, just in my life, not specific to the project, but just like like what the fuck am I doing? Build your with my life, you yeah, know. Building build my yeah. I'm literally like I'm head to toe ODK down to my soul, like because it's what I know, it's who I am, and so I'm just making myself available to these people on a daily, while building the brand and just you know. It's like you said, having them feel like it, it's uh, part, they're, they're part of something. They, they understand, they see the vision, and they stand behind it. And you combine that with really dope art that's probably better than most of the stuff out there. And you combine that with a nostalgia feel because we're very, very detailed to the colors that we put out, the details that we put out, what's the demographic, where are we pulling from? Oh, like we're the top cartoon uh, characters in the world. Let's take some of those, the essence of those, not copy, but like as an artist, I know how to pull like a feeling 
from something previous, mix it with like my own filter, my flavor, and produce something completely new. But it still kind of feels, you know, similar to that previous and it feels, thing. Yeah, and that gives a. So when someone sees it, they can say, okay, that is, that is a Lyco. They, yeah. Like immediately when they see it, you can attach. And as an artist, I'm sure you see certain other artists art and without even having to think about who is that you can identify with the, the piece right away. I'm, I'm exactly. always, um, and also what's interesting about Web3 and the, the NFT world is you're going to have, I'm going to assume you'll have artists within your own project. They are going to not, learn so they're not they're not only going to learn so much about like themselves and how to level up in their art they're going to learn about the web3 space and just by being invested in your project they can go off and go do their own exactly and that that's an interesting concept behind anyone that is an artist looking to get into web3 if you're not prepared go invest in another project be part of the discord for like five months and just going through those you know reputate uh, 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 that those reps you're going to learn way more than just trying to watch YouTube for, I don't know, 20, 10 days. Get involved, get in the Discord, see what's going on. And more importantly, watching a project grow from the beginning. You don't want to come into this in two, three years when your project's at, like, call it phase three. Because you want to see phase one, phase two, and yeah. phase three. Because then maybe you could do it on your own. Um, we just hit the one and a half hour. We're trying to keep this under that for YouTube. Before, we used to do two and a half, and then... Uh, too many people are yelling at us. No, I think one and a half is Yeah, it's is perfect. Good. Yeah, it's perfect. So we're going to shoot it back to, this is your camera. And yeah. if you just want to kind of let the audience, where can they find your projects? Where can they find you, your Instagram? Anything yeah. that um, can help them connect to you and shoot it to that camera. To this camera? Right? Yeah. Okay, so everything, you guys can find me at Andrew Lyko. I use the same name for everything. So Instagram, at Andrew Lyko. YouTube slash Andrew Lyko. And for the project, it's One Dope Kids. The same thing, just for everything. Twitter, Instagram, at One Dope Kids. So. Okay, and that's Andrew Lyko, L-Y-K-O. Yeah, so Andrew L-Y-K-O. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, that ends another episode of Fruiting Body Podcast. Hans needs a coffee. We're going to go to Bangtown Muay Thai Strength and Conditioning later. I'm trying to lose a bit of weight. Yeah, man, you got mine, man. Oh, yeah, just sat. He probably watched it the whole time. He's like, Fuck yeah, it. fucker, I wanted far, it. Like, uh, <laughs> No worries. Um, are we going? Are we going to S and C? What time is it? You're going for you're going for beers, aren't you? No, I'm not. First. Drink that one. It's nice and cold. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, we're going to go to Bangtown Muay Thai S and C every day at five p.m. and every morning at nine a.m. It's not even a plug. Um, uh, thanks a lot, Andrew, for joining us again. You yeah, can man. find you can find Andrew Andrew Lyko across all socials. Yeah, across one dope, everything. one dope kids on all all socials for the open sea stuff as well. One dope, yeah, kids. everything. One dope kids, um, and um, even you just Google it. Google Andrew Lyko, but my website will pop up and everything. Okay, it, and everything's linked. But yeah, man, thanks for yeah. having me. Uh, maybe next time we we can get into the. You yeah, know, the holistic side of things because I've had my share of experiences with that as well. So yeah, we 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 never talk too much about the mushrooms, but um, we also don't. I think we we've told a lot to the audience, but I always mean to talk about it once. Yeah. Um. Anyways, next time. Okay. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the bell, do all that. Stuff.